You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie Vallejo, and I'm here with Christy Williams and a guest that we have that we're going to introduce in just a minute. Um, Christy? Yes. Do you have a question? No, but I have an interesting thought. So when I was, I was sitting with a friend one time in the bleachers of a basketball game, and she shared that she does, she has two little boys, and she was like, we went to go eat sushi last night. And I was like, oh, awesome, you know, small talk. And she goes, um, her son's name, and then she says, and he wanted my sushi, and I didn't share with him. Ah. And I was like, what? That's an option to not share food with your kids? <laughs> You're like, I, I always shared... thought that was a prereq to being a parent. Yeah, I was like, oh, I just thought you they were just allowed to take food from you, and you share. And, and our table is at our house is very family. Like, you mm-hmm. do have a tendency to pick off of other people's plates. or Oh, like without even turn... asking even. Absolutely. Oh, that's hilarious. You turn your, like, oh, I mean, I can't tell you how often it's like, look over there, and a kid's, like, pulling food off of another kid's plate. Like, it's just, that's how it is. Whatever. You can judge me. I don't care. Um, No. No judgment whatsoever. But I remember thinking, like, oh, I did not know that was an option. And I thought it was so intriguing. And so then I'm reading this book, The Problem of Pain by Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis, and he says in here at one point, it says, in the first place, I do not think the doctrine answers the question. He's talking about the doctrine of the fall. And he says, was it better for God to create than not to create? And then he says, that is a question I have already declined. And I thought... I won't even answer it. won't even answer. And he goes on and he does a great job since I believe God to be good. And he just talks a lot about God's goodness. That's the chapter. This Actually, the chapter is Fall of Man. But he does talk about God's goodness. Because so many women that I've been talking to are like, how is God a good God if all this yuck is going around? Right? And so... He really kind of helps you focus on different parts of the fall, human wickedness, divine goodness. And I thought, how often do we engage in a conversation when really we don't need to? Mm-hmm. How long, How often do we go down that thought process? And I had lunch with a friend yesterday that she can't get out of the spiral mm-hmm. of all the yuck in the world. And one friend looks at her and goes, you have to stop. You have to stop. And I thought, yeah, you have to stop declining the, even answering the question. Yeah, Just move past it. And know that God's good. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think especially as women, we tend to ruminate, right? Yeah. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Where you get in that cycle in our head? We call it the mouse the, wheel. The, yeah, yeah. We, we can't seem to get off it. Yes. And so I think, um, and it's a lot, and I love the, you, the interesting kind of story you shared at the very beginning, because sometimes it is about the little things. Mm-hmm. And we let the little things pile up and stress us out. Like she's like, no, I wouldn't share with them. Okay, so you, that's over. Move on. But it stressed, you know, it stressed me out for days to think that her little boy didn't get to share her sushi. <laughs> that was that sad for the little boy. I was like, <laughs> his mother does not. What else does she not share? She probably doesn't share French fries. She probably doesn't. I mean, I went on in my head, and I was like, stop, Christine. It's fine. He'll be ready. He'll be a great kid. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is we start getting into the circles of control thing, things we can't do anything about, right? Yeah. In a way, and we start. And I feel like. Um, because I know a few, uh, I have a few friends, family members, that kind of thing, who I do wish would get off of 
social media news. Mm, yeah. I was like, that does not help our frame of mind and that little hamster wheel. And if you are one that really struggles with the goodness of God because you're looking at the ick of the world, yes. sometimes you have to just bubble yourself and look at what's in front of you yeah. and your life. And that's where you see the good mm-hmm. that God is doing because mm-hmm. you're going to see it in the lives of the people you're close to in your own personal life. That's where God is blessing you, Mm -hmm. right, with his goodness. And so I do think, you know, and then probably hard, and then hard stuff too. We're all going to have hard stuff. But when you're looking at the experience through the lens, the Mm -hmm. world's experience through the lens of all these other people who are telling you what to think about it, Mm -hmm. you're not getting a biblical worldview, Mm -hmm. right, at Mm -hmm. all. So that's just going to be frustrating, that filter. Mm -hmm. It's going to be frustrating. But I bet our guest has something to say about that too, right? I'm sure. I'm sure there's lots of words that can be said. It's going to be great. We may not have done this justice, this discussion. <laughs> but, but we're still in the the train of thought of we're getting to know our ministers, and we so are. That's our who we have. Ministers and our pastors, pastors. and our staff mm. here. At As church. you can hear, that you probably recognize the hum. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the well, we are going to ask him to sit closer to the microphone. Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, so we have today, um, we've got Chuck Martin with us. How many guys have we had on here? Just a couple. He's like our third. Well, Chris Hurd. Oh, we had, we had. And the, Dan Gill. And we had the police officers. Oh, yeah, they were Yeah, great. and we've yeah. interviewed a couple others that we're going to post. So I guess we're having more men on. That's we right. Are. We're having. Yes. We're, we're opening well the circle yes. out. <laughs> brave. The brave. They do get nervous when we ask them to come on. They do. Which is fine. I get, get it. Nervous. I'd be nervous too. Yeah. Okay, so finish your introduction of um, Dr. Chuck Martin. Martin. That's right. And he is our um, pastor here, lead pastor here at Frisco First Baptist. Um, I've been on staff for 12 years. You've been, you were on staff, so Pastor Chuck. And then Steve Stay, who was our previous mm-hmm. executive pastor, hired me out of the blue, like Abraham, plucked me out of the, <laughs> the <laughs> congregation. <laughs> um, and so... You've been on staff for 20, though, right? You're celebrating. Correct. You're Correct. celebrating 20 soon. I am. Yeah. Yeah. What month are you celebrating? What are we? We're uh, so, it's a big well, celebration. Well, July 21st. It wasn't the best idea. Oh. Uh, it was my wife's birthday. And uh, we were looking at the calendar, and I'd interviewed with the church, and they were like, can you come and preach? And da, da, da. And so um, I said, yeah. And so I thought, well. This is 20 years ago. This is 20 years ago. Okay. So I thought. Well, why don't we begin on your birthday, honey? <laughs> that way I'll remember the anniversary. That's good. And, you well, won't yes, but she was like, my birthday? Yeah. So uh, maybe I, if I had to do it over again, I you would have chosen a different yeah. Sunday to start. So there was one of our questions, well. mistake in ministry. There's yeah, your one. Do-over. Do-over. Yes. Your do-over. Oh, for your, for your um, uh, yeah, your yeah. anniversary for your so that means we won't be celebrating on the twenty first. No, Sorry, that's twenty. That's yeah, already obviously passed. already yes. passed. Yeah, um, uh, and so we will be doing that at some point. But I don't know when we're dropping this podcast, so we would have already celebrated Chuck's twenty by maybe. the time this yeah, goes. Probably. Yeah, maybe. Yes, um, but so that's a long time. It is a long time in one place. In one place, it is. do people tell you that when they're like, "How long have you been there?" And you're like, 20 "Well, years. whenever they, you know, whenever I hear that, I think, gosh, I'm old, right?' Because yeah. you think 20 years, man, that's a long time." But I remember when we came here, Kim said, "You know, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna raise our family here. I think mm. we're gonna be here a while." Mm. And I was like, "Okay." Now Frisco's changed a lot. Oh gosh, so, has since it ever? you've been here. 
Like, do you think if you moved to it now, it'd be a lot more overwhelming than when you moved? Because 20 years ago, it wasn't as big. It wasn't as urban. Yes and no, but we moved. I mean, we lived in Houston. Oh, that's right. And I'd been on staff at Second Baptist Houston, which is, at the time, was like the third largest church in Mm -hmm. the country. So uh, it wasn't the size. It wasn't the size of the city. Um, Actually, I thought... Frisco, there were a lot of things I liked about kind of the small town feel Mm -hmm. because it kind of connected more with my roots growing up in Alabama a little bit. Right. So tell us about that. That's a good segue. We're going to, we want to talk, hear from you, like how you grew up and. Were you a wayward kid? Was I a wayward kid? Not outwardly. Not outwardly. Um, I respected my parents too much to rebel. Mm. To the degree that my oldest Because you were a preacher did. kid. There we I was go. A There's always kid. one, though, out of the There's kids. There's one. Especially preacher's and kids. I my mean, they oldest get the sister moniker. was the one who, yeah, that got a lot of focused attention because of her bad behavior, <laughs> I could say. <laughs> so, so I decided, hmm, that doesn't seem like a great way to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was a little more, um, I mean, I was the kid who was involved in a lot of stuff, sports, mm-hmm. but... For me, my rebellion was more, I didn't want to get caught. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it was more subtle. Uh, I think it was more of a rebellion of the heart, whereas I was there and everyone, oh, he's great. Yeah, there's no problems with him. But it didn't necessarily reflect my heart. You know, Mm -hmm. as a parent, you can have obedient kids that maybe are not obeying from the heart. Yeah. And I think for me, that was, um, I mean, yeah, I, I think my my later teen years were the times that I began to question my faith and I began to think now do I believe this because I just Mm -hmm. grew up in this is this how do I know this is true Mm -hmm. and you know you get experienced more of the world you go to university and so I went through kind of the crisis of faith which I didn't openly share with my parents that's what I was wondering yeah I didn't because I didn't want to scare them I didn't want to freak them out Um, and yeah, it was more for me, um, you know, intellectual, but also moral decisions, lifestyle choices, all of that. Like, you know, who am I going to be and what am I going to be? See, I, I feel go? like we call that deconstruction now, but to me, it's the same thing. It's always been happening. So over that word. I know. It's always yeah, been happening. I really it's don't like that word. It's always I mean, been around. Can't stand I can't stand it. That I think word. people have mm-hmm. always had to leave home and decide, is my faith mine or is it my parents? You've always had to work through those questions, you know? I had some, something similar. Yeah. I was a missionary kid. I think it was, but, for me, it was thinking deeply. Ex- because yeah. I think what yeah. happens is you piggyback on the faith of your parents yep. and you accept it kind of carte blanche. Exactly. Without a lot of questioning. And then as your, you know, as your intellect develops and as you get exposed to other ideologies mm-hmm. and belief systems, then you, it, it raises more questions. And so for me, that, mm-hmm. that was, um, actually, I think it was very helpful um, for me to establish a faith that was my own. Right? So what and would you, what parents. would be a better word for that? Do you think? Um, that is a great question, Debbie. I don't have one off the top of my head. I wouldn't use deconstructing. I would or even re-establishing right? your yeah, faith. I don't even, would sim- you call it, you called it a crisis earlier. I'm curious yeah. why you used that word. Well, I think it was the crisis because you feel, oh, can I ask these questions? Oh, you're scared of right. the questions you're, you're sort of, you I think a lot of people don't ask the deep questions because they're afraid that they may not, A, number one, have an answer, and they feel like everything has to fit in a certain box, right? Mm. Or they have to have an answer for everything. Um, and so I think that scares some people. 
Me, I think it was more of a fascination. If I, if I said it was the curiosity of peeking behind the curtain to establish what I really believed and why I believed it. And, and to make sure that the foundation for Christianity was based on something more than just, um, you know, what had been handed down to me. Because what happens in church is you hear the stories, you, I mean, and you believe. You, you, you know, I had my Christian experience. I had my um, come to Jesus, right? As a teenager, I had my personal, oh, what kind of life am I going to live? But yet I hadn't really thought through, wow, how do we know this book is true? How do we know mm-hmm. that Jesus that I've been taught is the same Jesus of history? And mm-hmm. how do I know it's true? How do I know that Islam's not true? How do I know that... Hinduism's not true. How do I know that other belief systems are not true? So this is a good, I mean, I'm loving hearing this because even though we didn't plan the conversation to go Mm -hmm. this way, so many parents struggle with the fact that their teenagers and their college kids are asking those questions. And And they should be excited. So then what would you tell parents then who are like, my kids? I would say don't freak out. Okay, so how do you not freak out? Like, Well, part of that is, I think if the parents have never thought real deeply themselves, right? If the parents have not gone through and, I mean, goodness, do your research. There you go. I think that's what they're scared to. Yeah, Yeah. it's not, it's not, I think they feel overwhelmed. I met with... uh, And under-equipped, too. And under-equipped, and some of that's on the church. I think some of that's on them Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. from just busyness and maybe intellectual laziness. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that quote, intellectual laziness. Well, that's not a kind (laughs) word, but... But it's true, because I think a lot of things have made us lazy. Absolutely. I think that is a kind word, though. Intellectual laziness. That's a much kinder word than other word. Just saying laziness. But keep going with your thoughts. There was this... um, I visited with a young lady earlier this week, and Mm -hmm. her parents were like, we don't know what to do. She's asking all these questions. And I said, well, I'd be delighted to visit with her. Mm -hmm. And she's obviously a very bright young lady, and she was asking, but she was like, I didn't feel safe to ask my parents these questions. And I'm like, well, here's this, and there's that. And we had a wonderful conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I trust that God is in the questions. That's that's the thing. If you fear that the questions will inevitably lead you off the cliff, then that's an emotionally and intellectually bad place to be. Um, I think, you know, there is a... um, you should have a confidence in God and the truth of God. Yep. And for me, it was going back to my Christian experience. But yes, I had these genuine experiences and I saw this marvelous example of faith in my parents that was genuine. And then it was more for me filling in the intellectual gaps and answering some of the intellectual questions mm-hmm. solidified my faith and then caused me to go, no, I, I not only have experienced this to be true, I've seen this to be true, but it makes intellectual sense that it's true. And so where did you go to get your questions answers? What like recent what would you recommend? For me, it was a series of books primarily. And actually I had a friend in college, uh, was an engineering student who began to say, "Well, well Chuck, what are you what are your questions? What are this about?" He gave me uh, old Josh McDowell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think originally more than a carpenter and then evidence that man's averted. I said, "All right, I get that. I get evidence that, that demands averted." Right. Is that what but, you said? but then yeah. I read Paul Little, know why you believe, know what you believe. Uh, there was a book, Who Moved the Stone? Um, gosh, was it Montgomery uh, that I read? 
And so I just began to read, and then I took comparative religions at Auburn. Yeah. And so, you know, That's I was awesome. exposed to other belief systems, and then I thought intellectually, man, this doesn't make sense to me, and this is totally not motivational, and it doesn't line up with what I think the view of reality is. And it really brought me back to Christianity. I had a, a professor who was agnostic who taught a New Testament class that I signed up with at Auburn as an elective, and he tried to convince me that the resurrection didn't happen. And and I went and and tried to prove otherwise and, and do the evidence, and he said, you know, you've, you've, you've done your work, Chuck. Mm. He said, you've built a good case. And uh, yeah. another reason we shouldn't be afraid of professors oh. that aren't believers. No, like I think no. a lot of it's, people are. They talk about that, but I'm like, colleges have always been liberal. They've, they've been the ones been that liberal. push thought. Yeah, they've always. It was the funniest thing. I had a philosophy teacher that um, one of the first days of class, he tried to disprove the existence of God, and I'm young and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I, I raised my hand and raised an objection, <laughs> and, and he was like, "Well, good question," and so. Uh, long story short, we became friends. His wife got cancer that semester, breast mm-hmm. cancer. And I went by to, to talk to him and see how she was As doing. a college student? As a college student. Wow, you're at Auburn. And I'm at Auburn. He was from Michigan State University. And, and I said, I'm praying for your wife. And mm-hmm. that touched him. Mm-hmm. And he said, thank you. I need all the prayers I can get. And I thought, okay, here's a guy who's agnostic. Mm-hmm. He was raised Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. but there is in his heart a hope yeah. that he's wrong. Yeah. And I, I remember coming away going, okay, if people are made in the image of God, mm-hmm. which I believe they are. They have a soul and a mind and a body and a spirit. You can intellectualize that away, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the truth. That's right. And so that gave me a confidence to not be intimidated by smart people who would sometimes raise questions that I didn't have the answer for in the Mm. moment. So, um, yeah, so I had some of those formative things, even in college where I saw God, you know, honoring my feeble, Mm -hmm. you know, faith as a 19, 20-year-old kid, so... But it doesn't sound like you lived in fear either. Oh, no. So, there, no. I mean, that's what fear cripples us, right? Absolutely. And so you never were yeah, like, it's paralyzing. Lord, I'm not equipped. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any yeah. of that self-talk. So you just were like, oh, I'm going to go pray for him. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I'm going to an older man. I'm going well, to somebody that's academically, you might say, is smarter oh, than you. Oh, way smarter than but you. But you were like, I don't care. God's called me to go pray for him. I'm going to go pray for him. Right. And I had, I mean, my dad was one of the smartest people I knew. So, mm-hmm. And I knew he you know, I, responded I in that way. Yeah. You had watched him. I had examples. Watched him, so I, I was not intimidated by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Which it goes to, again, to how you live. Your living legacy is passed down to the, your kids oh, and absolutely. people around you. So how you demonstrate yourself, your kids pick up on instantly. Even yes. though you can say, hey, I want them to dive into the Bible. They don't ever see you open your Bible. Right. Why would they do that? Oh, and I'd saw my dad read the Bible every morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the same way with my mom yeah. every morning. Great mm-hmm. conversations every morning. And so to me, it's easy to sit on the couch and open the Bible in the morning Yeah, from an early age. Right. But so many people are saying, well, I want my kid to read the Bible. I want my kid to go to church. Do you, you do that? Or do you do that? Yeah. Are, are you, are you well, then also example? sometimes, like you talked, we talked about the other day, the word fortitude, you know, which would be on the podcast before this, so they would have yeah. heard it. But 
that's that courageous endurance though like because even if you fear it that fear can be humbling and send you to learn more to point to jesus more and then you can in spite of the fear even step out like you weren't fearful but if someone is fearful that doesn't mean they shouldn't it just means Mm -hmm. maybe there's more work to be done right oh absolutely so then tell me this like was there ever anything you were scared of when it comes to your faith that you had to step out in a moment of faith anyway i was uh, i'm more of an introvert by nature um which a lot of people don't realize about me um which which means there's part of being an introvert is it takes a lot of energy to kind of put yourself out there um and so that you know everybody i think most teenagers are self-conscious anyway so mm-hmm. that's true even when you're in your uh, early you know 20s and you whatnot. tend to be scared just to be in a place different than what you do you want are. to stand out and you don't mm-hmm. want to be the weird kid exactly. or whatever and so i hadn't i like i was terrified of actually verbally sharing my faith thought mm-hmm. i might get it wrong i may not know enough fill in mm-hmm. all the blanks and so i had a pastor who really just kind of equipped us in how to do that and went to campus crusade and and i remember thinking oh this is so not me this is so not me <laughs> the campus crusade part <laughs> yeah, yeah the campus man. crusade part <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and 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 i've always struggled with uh, in a sense breaking the ice i think the the older i've gotten the easier certainly it is and i'm way more comfortable now but that was that was probably the one thing i was like ah oh, and then i would feel guilty oh okay i'm not sharing my faith Therefore, you know, uh, and I just remember for me, the turning point, and I think I've shared this story, was, you know, this pastor challenges, okay, you know, pray about one person God would have you be a witness to mm-hmm. and look for an opportunity and intentionally try to have a conversation. And so I was like, okay, I've memorized these four spiritual laws. I'm, I'm going to have a conversation. <laughs> and I remember going knocking on the door and and he wasn't home. And I was like, oh, oh. thank you. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was so relieved. <laughs> and, That's awesome. And, but his roommate was home. And so it was one of these, oh, and I said, I, I mean, seriously, I was like, thank you. Uh, and, and he invited me in. And his roommate just seemed to be really upset. And I was like, Randy, uh, what, what's going on? And he said, I just had a friend who was killed in a car accident. Oh. And he said, I've just been thinking there, what happens when you die? Oh my goodness! Yeah, and, and I, you knocked on the door, right and, there. I'm, oh, and I'm knocking on the door, wow, yeah. and I'm putting the four spiritual laws in my back pocket, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Okay, God, maybe this was an ordained thing. Maybe." Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I can't. I couldn't orchestrate this." It was like, mm. it was humbling, but it was also, it kind of like took the pressure off. Mm-hmm. In the sense, because God was at work, and God just wanted me to be obedient. To mm-hmm. him. And I, I think so many times we put pressure on ourselves. We think too much of ourselves and yes, too little right. of God. And we yeah. think we're supposed yeah. to make the circumstances oh, go a certain way yeah. instead of getting God's instead creating of, the circumstances. We're just absolutely. there to work. Yeah. And I just remember That's going, awesome. "Wow, okay." Mm-hmm. And it just that that changed my whole perspective. Yeah. yeah. And where, how old were you when that when that happened? I was nineteen. Wow. Those are the sweet moments, though, like because you prepare. You're like, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to show up. Yes, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to I'm going to come in with all my four law. Like and then God's like, thank you for doing that. But actually, it's just going to be easier. I'm going to let you function in your gifts and your skills and where you're at. But thank you for doing all that. Yeah. But you it's just going to be so much easier than you ever thought. 
and you're it like, was. Thank you. And we had a wonderful conversation. I ended up giving him the four spiritual laws, and he didn't pray to, you know, accept Christ on the spot or anything. But about planting was, the seeds. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Love yeah. it. That's it was, awesome. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. So you're at Auburn. Mm-hmm. From well, Auburn, you go where we to. Were in the story. Good job, <laughs> Debbie. Sorry, that was Debbie. good tracking. Tracking really well. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Um, oh, I even left my coffee in my room as we were setting this oh. up. I'm even working in a fog. <laughs> um, so, you're at, you're um, at Auburn. You graduate from Auburn. Where do you go after that? Well, I wasn't sure. I want. I felt like that maybe God was prompting me to go in ministry, okay? I had people who asked me, I mean, I had opportunities latter years of Auburn to lead Bible studies and do some things. And so I thought, well, maybe, but I saw my dad and I understood the pressures of being a pastor. Mm. Again, I'm more of the introverted kid and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, right? I don't know if that's me. So I, I didn't want to do that subconsciously to somehow try to please my dad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so I, I had an uncle that worked in advertising. Long story short, I ended up kind of going that direction degree-wise. And then my senior year, I thought, all right, what am I going to do? So I worked. I got a job in public relations. I worked a year uh, between college and seminary. Okay, um, and I was I was thinking I'm probably going to go to seminary, but I want to make sure. And out of the blue, I got this invitation to be a part-time youth minister at a church in Montgomery. And, and so they said, hey, you come do this part-time, you know. And so I did. I, I worked at this church. It was a wonderful experience. And I worked for the Alabama Bar Association during the day. It was my job job. And so I had two jobs. And the pastor of the church, uh, Wayne Burns, Eastdale Baptist Church in Montgomery, uh, I'd been there two or three months, and he said, Chuck, you ever thought that God might call you to preach? Mm. And I was like, well, you know, I have led some Bible studies. He says, well, why don't, why don't you try it? This is like on a Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I don't remember. And I said, I'll be glad to try it. And he said, well, how about this Sunday? Sunday. <laughs> and so he let me have the Sunday night service. And, uh, yeah, and so I remember, you know, preparing, and then he sat down and, Okay, here's what worked well. What'd you think about this? And oh, mentor kind of coached me, yeah. and and then he handed over the Sunday night service to me. I was actually and talking to a pastor yeah. this past weekend. They use their they have Sunday night service yeah. still, and they use their service as a training ground. Oh, it like was, their elder every there's several awesome. people that preach. They do that same thing. Yeah. Apparently, that's like a tradition, right? In the Baptist in the church, Baptist to church, use the Sunday night service is. I don't know something. If it, well, we had what we called. Um, kind of normal Christianity was, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs> and church Wednesday night, and Wednesday right? night, right? That's <laughs> yeah. kind of the calendar. That was the So rhythm. I did, being a pastor, you preach on Sunday morning, and then you came back and preached on Sunday night, mm-hmm. typically, and you had church training, and then you had Wednesday night Bible study or kind of more small group stuff. So Interesting. So you're there, and how long is it before you decide to go into seminary? To uh, like- not long. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was like, it, it wasn't very long. I was like, no, this is what I'm called to do. 
So, yeah. This is where my heart is. This, this is where is. God's got me. Yeah. So and you start seminary like 23-ish then? Yes. Uh, 20, let's see, I graduated 21. That'd be 22. I was 22. Oh, that was, yeah. And which seminary? The Southwestern, the, the best seminary yeah. in America. Mm, That's not true. <laughs> we got two competing seminaries represented in the room here. Yeah. You told your dad, though, when you told, did you tell your dad, I'm sure, hey, I'm going to go to seminary. And was yes. his reaction like? Don't do it, or is he like, yes? I've I've always thought that you should. He was surprised, honestly. He was. Yes, he was surprised. Do you uh, remember what he said or his facial reaction? I well, I remember some of the conversation. Yeah. He said, you know, Chuck, I want you to know, you know, this is if this is what God wants you to do, nothing would make me happier. Yeah. He said, but don't by any way feel any pressure whatsoever that. You know, I have any expectation that you would do this. Oh, that's a relief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he he was he was Good. so careful to that's not awesome. put any pressure on me whatsoever. I mean, he yeah. held that. My, I mean, he was thrilled to see right. what God was doing in my life in college. Yeah. He didn't know the depth of some of my rebellion. Right. But that's They never that's do. Fine. You know. <laughs> and they don't need to. They don't fine. need to. Uh, I think my mom was more in tune with that than my dad. Of course. Um, but, they have eyes behind their head. Yeah. But yeah. No, he was he was That's tickled. awesome. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't go to the seminary that he was uh he was uh, His favorite one? The best well, he one was a trustee life. at Southern Seminary in Louisville. Okay. And so he was friends with people on the faculty and uh it So been, why didn't you go to Southern? I went and visited Southern, and okay. it, it wasn't very friendly. Ah. Um, I, and it probably was just the weekend, and, you know, it's like you go to, I'm sure people have that experience even in our church or whatever church. They yeah, go, and they absolutely. go on a bad Sunday, or they sit by somebody who's grumpy, and yes. they go, all oh, these people are unfriendly, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I, you did. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I went, and I was like, this place seems kind of depressing. Um, <laughs> And it was rainy, and it was the people were not uh, real friendly. And I sat in a, a couple of classes, and they were boring. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Mm. Then I went to Southwestern, and which is in Texas, which the is friendliest in Texas. state, friendliest, friendliest state, state for all the schools, friendliest state Texas. for all the seminaries. The sun <laughs> is shining. You know, I walk on the campus. And it is I, a pretty case. I just felt like it. I was where I needed to be, even before I even went in a classroom. That's good. Yeah, but then I went in an evangelism classroom with Roy Fish, and I was like, Oh, oh my gosh, oh, this yeah. is amazing! I want to go here. Because you got your master's <laughs> and your doctorate there, didn't you? You got I your did. doctorate there too. I did. I got yeah. my doctorate. I wasn't planning on getting a doctorate, but when I was at Second Baptist Houston, they said if you stay here for four years, mm. we will pay for you to get your doctorate. And I was like, okay, I will stay. Yeah, done. So how did you, um, but, but you were in Houston. I was. And that was back in the day before, I like, was. online school. Uh, you had a program called Doctorate of Ministry. And that's what I have my degree in. And the Doctorate of Ministry meant that you went and took what were called J-terms mm -hmm. on campus. So the church had to work with me to send me a month at a time oh, up okay. to Fort Worth. Okay. And so I would go in January and I would go in June. June yeah. And then the rest of the time I had a professor that was my supervisor who was actually at Houston Baptist University. Oh, okay. And so I would use HBU library and I'd do all my work mm -hmm. and then I would go in January and June. So that's then, a lot to do with a full-time job. And yeah, yeah, it is. New yeah. baby and all yeah. that. And four years, took four years. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, doctorates take longer than the master's degree. That's what people don't they realize sometimes. Do. They do. <laughs> they the workload is different, though. Writing a dissertation it's a lot of writing. Is, the, is the, yeah, it's kind of the beating. <laughs> yeah. You call it like birthing a child. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How did you come up with yours? It's on small teaching, leading small groups, if uh, I recall. Yes, mine, I studied um, basically uh, religious um, uh, people who did not have a background or knowledge of the Bible. Mm. So how do you That's assimilate... Right. Uh, basically biblically illiterate people into the church what are the factors that cause them to stick what are the you know what are the issues to be dealt with mm -hmm. and then we tracked populations and it was while I was at second where a lot of people come from different backgrounds mm -hmm. and so uh, yeah it, it actually started with a Muslim couple who came forward one Sunday I was in charge of new members and they walked down the aisle and they said we had a dream and, and Isa appeared to us and Isa is the Arabic mm -hmm. name for Jesus. Isa appeared to us in a dream, and we we want to know, you know, what is mm -hmm. who who really is Jesus? Is he more than a prophet? And I'm like, holy cow! I can't just stick them in one of our here life groups, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which life group would that questions. go to, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, ah, okay, uh, Muhammad and Rachel. So I was like, well, I tell you what, how about we meet together? And I set up a time, and we met on Wednesday nights, and I said, we'll go through the Bible, and we'll start with Abraham. And So I put some things together to help introduce them to to Christ and also the Bible. Mm. But you had to do it in a way that made sense to yes. them, culturally. Oh, yeah. It was targeted. It was very, yeah. So I had to learn, That's great. I had to learn about Islam in that yeah. process. So I put this together, and then I thought, okay. I mean, I know that's kind of a one-off. That's a really unusual situation. But it raised the question, I wonder how many people come with very limited mm -hmm. knowledge of the Bible. I could take what I have and modify it and put a course together that would be a very entry level, almost like the Bible for dummies. And then I could track people and see how many of those folks who completed the class, did they get involved in a life group? Did they mm -hmm. follow through with baptism? And so that became kind of my research. And then I had groups and we offered it on Sunday morning. And I taught it. It was very popular. I taught it three different hours for a while. Wow. And we had uh, about 1,500 people take the class the first year I taught it. While I was in That's a lot of which people. Which was a lot of people. And some were just like, wow. I've never seen the big picture. I've never put it together. Da, 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 da. And so I'm like, this This looks like this could be a, you know, yeah. a, a, a project here. Mm -hmm. This could be my dissertation. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and you've got real world oh, evidence yeah. in front of you. I, I did. To use all the time. So, but fast forward to where we're at now. Yeah. Do you ever think back to that time of going, you know, God prepared me then for what's taking place in Frisco now and the dynamics that are changing yes, and how you can minister I, I, to? I do. And, and I think. Because we're very multicultural and diverse. We're very multicultural. I think one of the challenges, I love teaching and preaching. Yeah. Which, you know, I was able to develop these courses and do that because I was not doing much teaching and preaching on a regular basis other mm -hmm. than teaching a life group. So, um, you know, my role here is is different. But I see, man, we've got we got opportunities for inroads. Yes. And I would love to dust that off and... and you know, maybe maybe that's not. I'm not saying that's the magic bullet, but I think I think whatever we can do to help create environments where people can come, yes, and um, they can learn what they need to learn. They can experience real community, 
they can see awesome. a genuine Christ-like mm-hmm. care and concern. That's that's what changes hearts, and that's what draws mm-hmm. people to, to to Christ. So, yep. Um, so we want to create that that safe environment at second, um, and we did, and it was fun, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of people who came, and they came from all different backgrounds, and um, yeah, it was it, it was fun, and they taught the class. Goodness, I don't know if they're still teaching it today. I need to look and see, but um, I mean, this was goodness twenty five years yeah. ago. And it's awesome. They kept that going for at least twenty more years. So wow, yeah, it's interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. We kind of um, skipped over. You made mention of your oldest Walker. You had oh, a when baby. you went to second a yes. baby. I had a baby. You had a <laughs> my so wife had you the met- baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> you met Kim though when you were in Alabama, if I remember right. No, I met Kim when I was in seminary. Oh, when you were in Southwestern, I went and visited her church. Um, and Birchman Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth. But you were pretty young, right? Yeah, I mean, we were both young. She yeah. had just graduated from Baylor, and she was working for IBM, and I was just starting seminary. Okay. And I went and met her at a singles fellowship at church, and I introduced myself. I saw this redhead, cute redhead across the room. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to go meet her. So I did, and I said, you know, Kim, I think we met. I introduced myself. I'm Chuck. I'm from Alabama. I'm in seminary. And her response was, oh, another one. <laughs> I was like, wow, You're all over wow, the place. Okay. You're all over the place yeah. around here. Okay. Well, that's, that's a shock. It's not one. the response uh-huh. I was uh-uh. expecting. Uh-uh. <laughs> not at all. But don't you hear Emily uh-uh. now in that response? Oh, I do. Oh, my word. Okay, Emily's their youngest daughter. Oh, it's their, Emily's their daughter. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I was like, I got a live one here. Besides <laughs> <laughs> a redhead. That's awesome. Uh, so then y'all did start dating, though, eventually. We we yeah, did. got married. We did. The, we went to the Lionel Richie concert. was our first date. Oh. I mean, we're talking. Fort Worth Stock Show? Where was he at? Uh, no, it was actually in Dallas. Oh. It was a reunion in arena. arena. Before they tore it down. Before it down. I went to wow. so many concerts there. It was a great yeah. arena. Yeah. So fun. Uh, no, it, it was fun. I, I had, and that was also kind of a God thing because I had met her, I got her number, tried to call her two or three times, and she was never there. Uh, and I didn't want to leave a message on our answering machine back when we had those things. I right? love those. Why didn't you? Because um, you wanted an excuse to call. You didn't want to leave it in her lap. You wanted an excuse to call and back. And they didn't have, no. we have caller ID, so she didn't they know that you called. Caller. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was so many fun things back in the day. God, <laughs> it was complicated. Wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was easy. Well, maybe. Um. <laughs> I mean, now you can't call or you can't whatever. If you like, even if you call someone and you don't they leave know. a message and you're like, oh shoot, I'll leave a message. No, I'm gonna text. I got to do something. Yep, that was easy yeah. back in the day. Chuck, so the the funny thing about that was, so I had tried to get a hold of her and I wasn't able to. Coming in from uh, picking up my mail and my neighbor said. Hey Chuck, I have you have plans this weekend. I have two extra tickets to Lionel Richie in Reunion Arena. He said they're normally, uh, I think they were twenty bucks a piece. He said I'll sell both of them to you for half price because the people who bought them couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. He said, Are you interested? I was like, Yeah. So I gave him, I gave him the money, which I had just gotten the note from my sister who sent me 20 bucks so I, w- I had literally nice. 20 bucks that my sister had just sent me I gave it to him got the tickets went in called and she was home and then I said hey this is Chuck you remember she said I don't remember you Chuck I said would you like to go to Lionel Richie and she said I'd love to 
and that was our first date. So fun. The rest was history. Yes. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> so that makes awesome. me wonder, though, are you a spender or a saver? Because you get 20 bucks, then you instantly spend it. Um, I'm more of a saver. You're the saver. Okay. Yeah, Unless he wants to take a cute, cute girl. girl right. And then he's but like, I saw a bargain. Divine like, appointment whoa, again. Whoa, I get 50% off yeah, on these huge. tickets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's awesome. So then um, through seminary, Second Baptist, how did you give us kind of the little, encapsulate the story of how you ended up here at Frisco first? Mm. Um, good question. So... <clears throat> Yeah, so I had been at Second. I had the opportunity to stay at Second and make Second kind of my career, for lack of a better word. Um, they were starting new campuses. Right, the whole the, satellite thing was picking up, right? Yeah, and they right? approached me about heading up one of the campuses. Mm-hmm. and so. But I really I felt like that was a wonderful experience, but I kind of wanted to get out from under the culture to a degree and, and have more of a um, freedom to Mm -hmm. to operate i guess Mm -hmm. you could say Mm -hmm. so i turned it down and then turning it down meant that i needed to go find another job (laughs) fairly quickly (laughs) so uh so i ended up um, going we ended up moving to austin long story short we were there um oh goodness six years and that was Uh, a smaller was that a church plant or yeah well i Actually, I started at an existing church. Okay. And the existing church grew dramatically. Um, but there were a lot of issues with um, with that. Mm-hmm. Challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very unhealthy church. And I ended up leaving to go and plant a church. Okay. Long story short. It was a very painful season. Mm-hmm. So we were actually in a, in a school. We were mm-hmm. one of these churches that were stuck. We had people... Um, we were trying to buy land, and it, we we we'd gone through one of those economic downturns yeah. with the high tech industry, and people mm-hmm. had been laid off, and and so I was frustrated. Um, the church, you know, had reached about six hundred in attendance. We we're meeting in a high school. That's a lot of That's people. That's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of people. There were a lot of people involved, yeah. Yeah. but we just it just seemed like we couldn't get the money that we needed to buy the property mm-hmm. to build the building to get out. Um, from under that and so um, you know we were kind of in this place of being stuck and Mm -hmm. um, I don't know I felt like that it was it was perhaps time to to do something different and I had a friend that had recommended me to um, Frisco Um, actually he had recommended me to the director of missions here who had recommended me to the church and he said here's a guy who has Baptist roots his dad was a pastor da 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 I never considered a First Baptist Church. That just seemed too traditional for me. So, I mean, we were, I was pastoring Fellowship of the Hills. We, we had in small print SBC affiliated. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, you know, that was because we were in a very secular area in, in Austin. Yeah, that was a, so, there was a missional take to the reason you were take. doing it that. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, we, we yeah. didn't hide it. When people go yeah. to the membership class, we would say, you know, we are Baptist, here's what we believe, mm-hmm. here's what we're about. Um, but anyway, I came and met with the, the committee and, you know, whereas the church had gone through a real hard time, they had, the pastor had left, they, had, they were planning to build and then they didn't build and then they sold a piece, the big portion of the property that they had bought and the church had declined. Um, and so, you know, I came and saw the facilities and then saw the potential for the growth 
and I thought, you know, okay, this could work. I mean, yeah, um, we've we've been setting up chairs every Sunday. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, nice I guess I I came with a little different mindset of wow, there's some resources here. We could, you know, church is debt free, and um, mm-hmm. a lot of people are moving here. Why don't we try some new things and start a contemporary service? And and so anyway, I suggested that to the leadership, and they're like, Would you come do that? Would you come help us? And that's mm-hmm. how I got here. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, when um, we said it earlier, Frisco's changed a lot oh, yeah. in the 20 years, and right? And the church has changed. And the church has changed a lot. So, like, you walk into a church, and you don't know what you're walking into. Correct. Ever. You know? You oh, think yeah. you do, but you don't ever. So, we, and we're asking this question of everybody, so you won't be alone. Okay. Um, what's been the easiest or the smoothest, the best part? of doing ministry um, here? I think the people are the best part of doing Mm. ministry. Um, You know, I understood kind of the culture, the uh, people at at Frisco First are pretty unpretentious down there. I mean, they have some of the finest people. Mm -hmm. um, And and you'll find that. My my mom used to always say, now, now Chuck, they are... There are wonderful, godly people everywhere. You just have to find them. You know, and she would, I was, and I was like, yes, ma'am. She said, no, there are wonderful people everywhere. You just have to find them. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Um, but that that is true here. Um, I, I think and even as the church has grown, that has, it's church interesting church that has that has stayed grown, true. It has yeah. stayed true. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you can build on that. Yeah. You know, you, you good-hearted people who love the Lord, mm-hmm. that um, that mean well, and that that want to you know raise their families to love the Lord and be part of a healthy church. And so, it wasn't easy. Change always brings you know adjustment, and the first seven or eight years were certainly not easy. But um, you know, I'm the thing I'm probably most proud of is that there wasn't like we never had like a church split. And I mean, you always have some people come and go, but right. But, and you have staff stuff and leaders, you, stuff, just normal I, life you, stuff you know, that's going to happen life. everywhere. It's going to yeah. happen everywhere. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, we're thrilled to raise our kids here. So the hardest part. Yes. Some of the more cha- some of the challenges. <laughs> Chuck's like, yes, uh, you tell me that. Yeah, yes. there's a lot. You tell me the challenges. <laughs> well, I think anytime you have, you have people. Uh, our own desires, our own egos, our own, um, you know, difficulty sometimes giving each other grace, um, miscommunication, whatever. It's always going to be a challenge. And I think that's here. I think here in Frisco, there's some challenges that come with affluence. Mm-hmm. There are challenges that come in this culture. Just with having the money that we can. And then a yes. lot of ways to spend our money. There's so many ways options. to spend our money here. And there's mm-hmm. this, there's a pressure in the culture in this part of North Dallas, Frisco, whatever, fill in the blank, right? Um, to kind of put on the, live the American dream, put on the appearances mm-hmm. that everything is wonderful. And, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of superficiality that I would say was not as much of a part of the culture of Frisco when we moved here but yeah, it's invaded. Agree. Yes, <laughs> I would totally agree. I would agree with that. With, yeah. yeah, and and I think we're kind of a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. that we are not 
the typical Frisco. We don't have the best, the most, you know, impressive light show or whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's yeah. the tension. You want to do things with excellence, but you want to be genuine. And, yeah. You and get I'm, dust on your shoes before you walk in the yes. door. Yes. Well, you do. <laughs> stays with you. you do. It's good. It's humbling. It's good. It it's a bit of a dirt parking well, lot. Yes. We all come in dirty, no matter if it's your shoes in t- inside or outside. You know, that is well it's said. <laughs> well played. That's the reason we're leaving that dirt gravel <laughs> yeah, parking lot there. So. We just want to remind did. people yeah. of that. There's I think, a purpose, you're I think but we'll, eventually, we'll eventually have a parking lot. But people don't come to Frisco first because they're like, ooh, I want to go there because that's just you know, the cool, cool place to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and we'll, we'll give them a dose of reality. It's mm-hmm. good. My <laughs> and goodness. Truth. Good. Yeah. We're okay. So, um, we've, we've been talking for a little while yeah. now, but, um, kind of as we're starting to wrap up, where would right. you like to see us go? Like, what are your desires what for your dreams for the church? Yeah. Vision, dreams. I know. That's dream is a good word. Thought. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think we need to expand, um, kind of the the foundation of the church, meaning what we have to offer, we need to make more room, more space. Um, you, know, you mean I'm, programs? Well, no, or I'm talking about just, learning, just scale, scale the church okay. to reach more people. I think we have some limitations related to facilities, related mm. to other things um, that I think we're gonna have to be creative to provide some things at some different hours um, to to maximize the the facilities and the footprint that we have, but to try some new ways to reach people and connect people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Is I, Sunday night church coming back? You know, it could, Debbie. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, It'd be so fun. I, I think we have to. I think we kind of have to, you know start with almost a blank slate and say yeah. well, this is what we currently have this works well we love it let's keep doing it but what are we missing mm-hmm. right what are we missing what could we be doing differently mm-hmm. um, I'm thrilled that our church is reflecting more of the community from a um, kind of demographic standpoint that's mm-hmm. that's awesome, it's awesome. Sure it is. Um, and and I, I pray that that continues yeah. right and that we maybe we can do some things intentionally to help grow that and build that and so those are the things that I think about for the future. I just, I want the church to be in a position to thrive, you know, when I retire and whenever, you know, that is that the church continues to, mm. to be on mission in a healthy place for people to raise families, you know, 20, 30 years from now, right? Mm. So, it. yeah. That's awesome. Well, and on a personal note, you have a grandbaby. I do have a grandbaby. What yeah. is your grandma's name? Uh, it's Doc. Oh, that's Doc right. Doc and Birdie. Birdie. Oh, Birdie. That's Birdie cute. was my grandmother's name. Kim oh. So Kim's Birdie. She's Birdie. Yeah. And oh, you're that's Doc. sweet. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, cool. um, that Walker's family, and this is your son's yes. son, oldest. Luke, yep. the oldest, um, they're moving here, right? You, maybe? Oh, we would love that, Debbie. If that <laughs> I was like, they are? Word. <laughs> okay, so Thank hold on. you, Debbie. Yes. I was like, they want I them to. I receive it. No. <laughs> They're okay. So they are, they're, they are look. He is looking for a job. Looking right for now. a job. And so we don't are, know if that's going are, to happen. They are perhaps open to moving. Okay. Um, I'm know. getting all my conversations confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, apologize. No. And Emily, oh, she's being prophetic. Emily, <laughs> Emily just started a new job today in in Fort Collins, Fort Collins Colorado, Colorado, which I think is so great. So we'll she's in the United States because she's, she's been Ger- in Germany for how many years? Four, four and a half years. It's a long And before time. she was in Germany, she was in Russia. She was in for Russia. For like a year or two. She's the kid who decided when she was finishing up her degree, hey, I want to take the Trans-Siberian Railroad and go across Siberia by myself 
on a train for six oh, weeks. Wow. And her mother, you know, almost freaked out over that. But well, I can do reason. <laughs> Let's affirm that freaking out. That's okay to yes, freak out. It, yeah, it worked out fine. But, but I yeah. love that for her. I yeah. love that she she's has the confidence to go and learn mm-hmm. and meet people and, you know, see new cultures. And I think that's just amazing. I think I hope that that Colorado works out. I hope she loves it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa, hey, just a little... You know, Colorado would up. be a great place to go it's closer visit. than Germany. Yes. It's 100 degrees here. <laughs> Spending the summers with our kids in Colorado yes. would be heavenly. It's so you know, great. Get into that. No yes. kidding. Colorado need Jesus too. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, you can go out there. I, I'm going to wrap. I want to yes. do our so lightning, round. lightning round wrap up. We have lightning round questions for you. Are you okay. ready? Five Shoot. of them. What is the last show that you binge watched and loved? Mm. And loved. We watched Manifest for a while. Oh, yeah. I uh, started that. And I enjoyed it. It got a little weird, but uh-huh. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But you, So you didn't finish it? No. I think they have a new season that's coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. That season. Okay. Yeah. What is something that people often get wrong about you? Oh. Um, mm, boy, that's, that is, that's a tough question. I think people are intimidated by the fact that I get up on Sunday morning and, and, and preach, and they assume, oh... He's like a scary person, and I'm not. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to that, that is true. I see people seeing that role as, but you're very easy to talk to. And people have shared so many things with you, you're not going to really get shocked. Oh, no. No. And so I think too, people are afraid to talk to the head, like right. that they're going to get judged or, or like, that oh, you're, in. Yeah, yeah, he's he can't it's even relate to anything it's I say. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, you're right. That's mm-hmm. furthest from the truth. I would and say. And you're very emotional. I can be. I yeah. get. I've been more that way. The older uh, the we older get, I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and good I, for I you. Know, I guess I'm less concerned about. Yeah containing all my emotions that's good well i think i remember someone saying that was refreshing seeing a pastor get emotional about something i I talk about my mom or my grandkids or or people coming to christ yes those are yours those Those sweet stories Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. okay what is your biggest pet peeve Hmm. biggest pet peeve um that's a Good. My my wife could probably answer that. No, better. you get to. Maybe all those pillows that you have to put back on the bed when she asks you to make the bed. Uh, yeah, there are, Christy. There's I think eleven. They keep growing. Um, yeah. That's the plight of every man. Yeah. <laughs> the pillows. Steve, for me, I think I think when people are uh, superficial, mm. I, what I. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to feel like people are befriending me simply because um, they're, you know, thinking it will help them in some way. Or uh, maybe this is a little too personal, but um, you know, the, one thing I, I can kind of sniff out when someone is kind of disingenuous and they're really wanting something from you. Mm. And they're not really concerned. They don't really want to get to know you. They're just trying to use you for something. Mm-hmm. So I guess it would be people who use others. 
uh, or are friendly, but you know there's a no- whole there's another, another agenda. agenda. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, can we just like cut mm-hmm. to the chase and tell me what we it can is save a lot of want. time? We if can you save just a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you must have said something earlier because I wrote it down. Do you have a spirit of discernment? Is that one of your spiritual gifts? Yes. Yeah, because you mentioned something earlier, and I don't recall what it was, but I thought, oh, I wonder if that's one of his spiritual gifts. This is not one of the questions, but do you? What are your like top three spiritual gifts? Or what you can remember. That's teaching. Yes. Teaching would be one. Evangelism, yeah. interestingly enough, even uh-huh. though I don't, I've never felt like I was an evangelist. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I typically score, I mean, whatever. Have they changed? Have you noticed your spiritual gifts have changed? Uh, not really. They've always been the same. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Did yeah. yours change, Christy? Has yeah, your, mine have changed But too. I think I'm in that season of life. You're a little yeah. bit further in That's that true, season, maybe. but I'm in a season where yeah. God is changing my mine circumstances. Probably, mine have probably like, settled, oh, but yeah, yes. I bet okay. you're right. I bet that's a good point to make. Yeah. Um, you're probably right about that. Okay, question number four. The noisy narrative is about cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter. What is your narrative right now? So you would fill in the blank. Blank narrative. Like your season, where you're at right now. If your life is a Martin, podcast, blank you narrative. You would call it what narrative? Instead of noisy narrative, you would say? I would say up in the air narrative. Oh. oh. But yeah. We should start keeping track of what people say. Yes, I'd we say do. up in That's the air good. because my son and his wife are looking for a job. I'm not sure where they're going to land. My daughter's back for a year. We're praying that it, she it decides sticks. that it sticks. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and so it's just phase of life, right? Yeah. You know, so we're. I'm trying to go, all right, so, and I feel like coming back from COVID, right? I mean, the church is reopening. We mm-hmm. have kind of a fresh wind, and so th- there's a lot of things up in the air. What, you know, what's going to be? It's exciting. Yes. It's not. I, I, yeah. It's not a scary not thing, but it's like, wow, there. This is this is a season of change, mm-hmm. um, and that's good. It is so good. It can be a good thing. It is. Yeah. It is. Okay. Last question. You are a ghost at your funeral. What do you hope people say about you? You cannot say that you were a good and faithful servant, and right. then what's the other one that you are? Or that hear? you love Jesus, because we know that. Jesus, yeah, yeah, We yeah. know that already about you, so it's got to be something. Um, I think in addition he, to that, genuine. Um, that he cared about people. That he was a good dad. That he was a good husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't think there's a better compliment. Uh, the people who know you best, if they speak um, highly of you, mm, right? that's good. Then you're like, oh. Wow, I wish I had known that person better, right? I mean, when I go to those funerals and I'm like, oh, I didn't know what an awesome person mm-hmm. this was. Um, that's, yeah, that's what you're after. And, and if they're like broken relationships with family and all of that, mm. that's always that's so tense. So hard. So, sad. so I want I there to that. be a lot of laughter. And I yes. Want there, I want them to cry, but I also want a lot of laughter. Yes. And I think that's a life that's well loved. Yeah. I mean, well lived, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well fun. Fun. it that. is. It is very well said. We were at a funeral a couple of weeks ago. And you know when you're a part of the family that has to go and right. so you have to walk in. A stupid walk. It is. Walk it's in. so oh, it's hard. Terrible. Everybody's it's so looking awkward, at you. It's so awkward. Everybody's standing and quiet. I've and always I'm trying like, to figure out a way to not do oh, that. Oh, no, I told my family. Did you all figure of my that? kids and my husband, I mean, we're all right there. And I said, uh-uh, we're not doing this for my funeral. Yeah. We're not walking in a line. We're just, you can sit wherever you want. You can yeah. wear whatever you want. It's going to be a fun occasion, but we're not doing this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's so, hard. So how do you really feel this? I just told you. I'm very okay. sincere. Can you tell? I will tell you how I she feel about it. She is not one of those you'll have to worry no about idea. not knowing. 
knowing. <laughs> but to your point of being genuine, thank you for doing yeah, this podcast. Because sure. I think this shows the the human side. I think that yeah. we forget. There's a human side to ministry. Our pastors are sure. humans, and they have a heart, and they do care, and they have passions for teaching and preaching, but they also... I mean, we're, we're sinners. We're all trying right. to make it in the world, oh, trying yeah. to understand where God has us. And it's fun to hear that it's a season of up in the air for you because that's mm-hmm. real. Because mm-hmm. so many people are like, well, he should have it figured out. Why should yeah. he have it figured out? What? Not he robots. Sh- we no. don't have we're it. Every, every, no, there's, yeah. no, so there's a lot you. of yeah. up and down. Thank you. Still. Yeah. yeah so. Life is an adventure. It's a journey. It is. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming. This has Glad been great. We've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast that we may have you on for. We'll <laughs> um, yeah, well, so anyway, this will go. We will put drop these down with all the other ministers and pastors that we're interviewing mm-hmm. and staff people at our church. Because um, it's not just about our church either. It's about ministry as a whole, right? It's about the heart of people who we're trying to reach and the fact that, like Christy said, we're trying to be genuine and just sincere in our understanding and our love for the Lord, but then also just demonstrating that it's people. It is people. Mm. And it's interesting I, that it's always the, the good part of ministry, the hard part of ministry, a lot of times is the same answer, right? It's people yeah. <laughs> both ways. Oh, absolutely. The amazing part of yeah. ministry is people. Yes. The hard part of ministry is people. But we are just here um, yeah. living life for the Lord and, you know, pushing his his agenda is what should be absolutely. up front, not ours. So anyway, but thank you so much. Um, it was a joy to have you. And until next time, thanks. This is Noisy Narratives out. Bye, guys. Life can be amazing.